Hello and welcome to the Encouraging Angels podcast with Stan Szymanski. I'm your host, Stan Szymanski. Today is Monday, October 23, 2023, and I have a great show for you today. Neither Encouraging Angels nor Stan Szymanski nor anyone affiliated with Encouraging Angels is offering any type of advice on this program. We do not offer legal advice. We do not offer financial advice. We do not offer medical advice. We do not offer personal advice of any kind. Please consult a professional in the area of your need or interest. I want to share, this is a very tough story to share. Very emotional, especially for me. Uh, But I want to share this with you for, especially for the caregivers in our audience. But it's for everybody uh, who push a wheelchair. This is from the New York Post. Bodies of Israeli dad, wheelchair-bound 16-year-old daughter, found 12 days after Hamas Music Fest massacre. The bodies of an Israeli father and his 16-year-old disabled daughter were finally found 12 days after they were slaughtered by Hamas terrorists who attacked a music festival, Israel confirmed. Now, before I go on, I just want to say I'm not picking sides in this whole thing. Um, obviously, you know, what Hamas did is, I mean, beyond horrific, but there's plenty of stuff that the nation, you know, I'm not talking about God's people. I'm talking about the nation state of Israel, plenty of stuff. The nation state of Israel has done, uh, that is just horrific. Okay. But so of course, all this stuff kind of plays into each side of these stories, but I'm just going to talk about the disabled family and about situational situational awareness today, okay? So again, here we go back to the story at the New York Post. The bodies of an Israeli father and his 16-year-old disabled daughter were finally found 12 days after they were slaughtered by Hamas terrorists who attacked a music festival, Israel confirmed. Eric Peretz and his daughter Ruth who was wheelchair-bound with cerebral palsy and muscular dystrophy, were located by volunteers on Wednesday at the site of the Supernova Sukkot gathering near the Rayom Kibbutz, where at least 260 Israelis were massacred, according to officials and local reports. They were, quote, brutally murdered by Hamas terrorists, unquote. Israel wrote in its official X, that's Twitter, account. Quote, my father was really happy and everything was fine. His older daughter, Yerit Peretz, 26, told Israeli outlet Ynet on Monday. For years, he goes to these parties and takes Ruth because it makes her really good and she loves it. There were times when he would take her and she didn't want to come back, she said. Yurit Peretz said she had last spoken with her father on the phone the morning of October 7th, now known in Israel as Black Saturday. 
after Hamas launched its unprecedented attack. He said that they barely had reception and he didn't know where to go, she said. He said that almost everyone ran away and I told him that there were terrorists on the streets, unquote. She was particularly concerned about the survival of her sister Ruth, who needed to be fed through her stomach and other medical care. She was also mostly nonverbal and only able to say a few words, she said. I find it hard to believe that she will survive in Gaza, Yurit Perez ominously said at the time. For days, the Perez family helplessly wondered whether the pair were killed or had been kidnapped. Yurit Perez said she heard reports that Eric was seen, seen running away with Ruth in his arms, but was unable to confirm any information and still had not heard from them. It's crazy, quote, it's crazy that so much time has passed and there are still no answers, she said finally, before learning their fate on Wednesday. That's last week. That is the, the story from the New York Post. Now, what I'm going to do, first of all, this is horrific, you know, and I, and I, have, the, I have the New York uh, Post, excuse me, let's, let's start over again. I have the New York Post story posted on Encouraging Angels, and it's heartbreaking. You know, you see this, the pictures there of him and his daughter, and there's, no men, there's a mention of his older daughter and, of course, his younger daughter, the disabled one that he was with, and him. There's no mention of mom. Now, either, you know, 80% of these families, you know, uh, divorce. And either she wasn't in the picture or she gave her life taking care of her daughter. And we don't know which it is. Uh And had my daughter lived to her age, because Ruth here is 16, I could see myself, you know, you know, just doing social activities with her, you know, next to me. And that's just the way it is, you know. Um, when you're when you're a family dealing with, um, you know, dealing with you know, these situations. But the thing, especially today, and right now, I mean, uh, today is Monday, the 23rd of October, 2023, and uh, the war has ramped up today. There's a lot going on. Um, You know, Hamas is holding talks with a top Iranian official, you know, amid growing fears that the Israel-Gaza war could mushroom into a wider Middle East conflict. You know, uh, Bibi Netanyahu is meeting with his soldiers at the front, telling them that it's do or die. Uh, after he vows to cut the head off the snake of Iran. This thing's going big, ladies and gentlemen. And so the opportunities for you to be involved in danger, I hate to put it this way, are going to increase. And therefore, we need to be all about 
our situational awareness, not only when we're at home about what's going on, like at our home, but especially when you leave the house, you had better have your head on a swivel. I also have posted, in addition to the New York Post article about the Peretz, um, I have posted an article from the U.S. Army titled Situational Awareness, Make Safe Choices. And um, I'm going to read a little bit at the beginning, then jump to the important part. And this was from Aniston Army uh, Depot in Alabama. I wonder, it didn't say who the author is here. Oh, it did. It's by Sean and Carich, ANAD Safety Office, August 20, 2020. And he says, I wonder how many people plan to have an accident or plan to get hurt. Do we get up in the morning and think, well, I believe I will have a car accident on my way to work this morning, or I think I'm going to break my arm today when I fall down the stairs coming back after lunch. The answer is none. No one ever plans to have an accident. An accident, by definition, is an unfortunate incident which happens unexpectedly and unintentionally, typically resulting in damage or injury. So how do we avoid those unexpected, unwanted events? And, you know, he says it all comes down to having situational awareness. Situational awareness involves being aware what is happening around you, taking everything into account and adjusting your behavior to reduce the risk of injury to you, your family, or your coworkers. You know, in a busy environment, we can be bombarded with stimuli. It's important to focus on what will impact your job to accurately reflect the reality of your work situation, work or, you know, pleasure, whatever situation. Some of the obstacles to understand our situational awareness include faulty or hasty observations that lead to distorted perceptions rushing through the process. And I'm going to stop here and just say, you know, in regards to, uh, you know, that massacre is that you know, looking around and saying that everything's okay, looking around and, and, and I would say, I, I should say, obviously, that these people in, at this party, they had, there was no security, none. I don't know how you would do that in Israel, but any gathering anymore, uh, you had better have, you know, lookouts. You had better have, you know, somebody who might, you know, be able to protect you. And at least give you a chance to escape. Okay, so those are faulty or hasty observations. Number two, complacency. Being so relaxed and settled, we're blind to the big picture. Obviously, these people were complacent. This this uh, massacre that happened, it was it was only three miles off of the border the border with Gaza. Third, fatigue. Being mentally or physically physically exhausted. Now. Uh, if it's a party, I mean, you might have, a, you know, that dad might have had a couple drinks. I don't know. Um, the daughter sure can't do anything. You know, she she is in need of being taken care of 24-7. Poor communication, either received or given. 
you know, and here is our four steps to avoid injuries, which I learned while attending a mining safety and health administrator administration uh, instructor course for the Department of Labor. Labor. Um, number one, stop and think before you act. Examine the task you're about to undertake. Two, look at your situation, task, and environment. Find the hazards to you and your co-workers. Are you protected? They did not ask these questions in Israel at that party. Three, analyze the effect, the effects hazards present to you and your co-workers. I mean, had they lo- just looked at it and say, hey, we're three miles <laughs> from the border with Gaza. We have no lookouts and we have no one protecting us. Maybe we should change that. Number four, manage your environment. So, you know, in other words, if something doesn't feel right, you've got to, you know, work until you get a solution. So when I go back to this New York Post article, just about what we know. Number one, you know, the first thing that his older daughter says, she says, quote, my father was really happy and everything was fine. So first of all, he's completely in a state of uh, bliss and he didn't have a care in the world. You know, basically is what she's saying. His older daughter, Yerit Peretz, 26, told Israeli outlet Ynet on Monday, quote, for years, he goes to these parties and takes Ruth because it makes her really good and she loves it. There were times when he would take her and she didn't want to come back. I can understand that because folks who are disabled and in a chair, I mean, they spend long periods of time potentially isolated or being poked and prodded, you know, from the medical community, uh, or it's just them and their parents, whoever is committed to take care of them. Yurit Peretz said she had last spoken with her father on the phone the morning of October 7th, now known in Israel as Black Saturday, after Hamas launched its unprecedented attack. Quote, He said that they barely had reception and he didn't know where to go. So number one, you know, uh, communications are bad. You know, that's that's a danger signal right there because the enemy typically takes down communications before they attack a location. Um. And he didn't know where to go. So he didn't know where, literally, like, if you're in a, a theater, you need to know where the exit is. If you're, if you're in Walmart, you need to know where the exit is before you go in and do a whole lot of shopping because something could happen. You understand what I'm saying? This is what I'm trying to tell you, is that you have to know the way out before you go in. You have to know the way of escape. You know, in our spiritual life, you know, the Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You know, you have to have to know the way out before the temptation comes. Flee youthful lusts. Okay. Okay. Number two, regarding what his daughter said, quote, he said that almost everyone ran away and I told him that there were terrorists on the streets. So 
he already had a cue and he already had a clue that the people who ran, you know, gave, gave him. You know, some people are way better and understanding what's going on around them than others are. And if you're not real good at that and you want to be oblivious, you should at least be smart enough to know who the careful one is and follow them. You hear what I'm saying? He said that almost everyone ran away, and I told him that there were terrorists on the streets. Now, like when you look at this New York Post article, when you see Ruth, I mean, this is a similar, it's not exactly the same, but it's an extremely similar situation that we had with Hannah. I mean, when you were out away from the car, you know, once you left the house, she was in a wheelchair, and that's all there is to it. Now, if I, of course, you know, like, if we were at the doctor's office, yeah, I'd take her out of the chair and put her up on the table and whatever. But in this situation where you had to run and whatever, yeah, I'd take her I'd take her out and put her on my shoulder and run. And uh, you have to have some kind of plans for these kind of things. Where you and and typically, like again, I, I urge you to please go to encouragingangels.org, go to EA blog and pull up the New York Post article. Um, that I have linked to, and look at the pictures of Ruth, and she's in the wheelchair. Um, it, you can't really see it because you're looking at her from the front, but I assure you, and that's a motorized wheelchair, um, is that they've got something like what we carried, which would have been a backpack. Um, and is that I would throw it because that has stuff like medications, change of clothes. Ability to change diapers because they would have to do that with her because um, she's hypertonic and uh, she she doesn't have, um, you know, musculature to support herself. And so she can't toilet herself, uh, a blanket, etc. You know, you would have these things in a backpack hanging over the back of the wheelchair is that number one, the caregiver, you throw that on your back and then you throw your kid on your shoulder and run. Now, if if you are. Uh, if you had to go over, like they'd have to go through sand and rock and, you know, you, like again, before you go anywhere, you have to know that you have a way out, that you're not trapped. And apparently with her, he was trapped. I mean, God bless him. He, you know, when you go into a situation like that, you'd almost have to get a friend to like pick up one side of the wheelchair and then dad would pick up the other side and they would carry her over the rocks and into like the tent. They had a, they had a big party tent there, at least the one picture. I don't know if that's a, you know, I think it looked like it, it's like a tent you'd see at a wedding, you know, that they had for Sukkot. Um, It's just absolutely tragic. I mean, of course, you know, this uh, act of war that Hamas, you know, did, I mean, against, especially against civilians. You know, and the other thing is, you know, we're, we're there, in Israel, you know, people can't, by and large, up until that day. Now, they've relaxed it somewhat, but you couldn't carry if you had a permit for a firearm, for instance. I mean, you go and have a, a gathering that big. I mean, whoever puts that together for not having communications, lookouts, and, you know, some, you know, people who have the ability to protect other people 
is a, a gargantuan error, in my humble opinion. In America, which is where most people will hear this podcast, you don't have to play by those rules. If you don't have a, a permit to carry and you're a responsible person and you're not a felon, you can, in most states, go and get training and get a concealed carry permit. Because think about it, like you're pushing a wheelchair. If someone wants to make you a target, it's a lot easier to make you and your disabled child, for instance, a target than somebody else who's just, you know, walking along on their own. But you have to, when you walk outside the house, you have to be aware of what is going on around you. You can't be asleep. You can't be drunk. You can't be... uh you know, wanting to just forget it all because that will lead to you being compromised. And especially like, I mean, you look at, I mean, one of the pictures that they showed, I mean, of all the bodies strewn inside this party tent on, you know, from Black Saturday. I mean, it is horrific. I mean, I can't even put words to it. Um, you know, and I look at da- at a dad who did not give up on his daughter, who who he he gave his life for her. I assure you, he he gave up uh, uh, you know almost everything in his life to take care of her, and did not abandon her. You know, in the Bible, this, the, the book of Ruth, the story of Ruth is, is Ruth taking care of Naomi because she, Ruth was married to one of Naomi's sons. And when they died, her husband died, and then, you know, the other son of, of Naomi died. Ruth took care of Naomi. But in this situation, it's the dad taking care of Ruth. So in that sense, he was a hero. He gave up his life already. Before he died, you know, for the 16 years of Ruth's life, he gave up his life. He gave his life for his daughter. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to defend himself or her at the end or escape. You got to be able to do one or two things, defend or escape. And so I, I, I share this with you today for you to solemnly consider what your life is worth, to solemnly consider what the life of your family's worth, to solemnly consider the importance of your situational awareness. Because if you think when war comes to where you are, in my humble opinion, I think it's coming to most of the earth or a significant part of the earth. That's my humble opinion. Is that you are not caught unaware. I can tell you, when I look at the picture of Ruth 
in this article, I can see that if, if you look at it, it's the, um, the second picture of Ruth, not the first picture of Ruth, because you can't tell because she's got a blanket on her, her legs. But the second picture, actually, she's got the same blanket like underneath her legs, and um, her feet are straight. You know, it, most people, when they're at rest, their feet are still, you know, roughly, you know, at a 90-degree angle uh, to their, their legs. Uh, but not with somebody who has, you know, hyper, you know, a combination of hyper and hypotonicity. And she's hypertonic, um, you know, on her, her at her feet. Um, and she just has a lot of the symptoms that somebody has that has spent their whole life in a wheelchair. It's, it's very difficult and it gets harder as you take care of them. So, you know, in a very bad terrain, like lots of rocks and sand, he, he, he would not have had an option to push the wheelchair. It's not like an urban environment. Like if you were in a, you know, a city neighborhood in Pittsburgh, you could just literally, you know, use the roads to your advantage as far as pushing her away fast, as fast as you could anyway. Um, you have to consider these things. You, you can't go somewhere, in my humble opinion. And if this is, I'm not giving anyone specific advice. This is, if it were me, this is my humble opinion, is that you can't go somewhere where there's no way out. You cannot go somewhere where there's no way out and there's no way to defend yourself. You cannot go and be a sitting duck. Whether you're a caregiver of the disabled or you're a normal person. You have got to have your head on a swivel, and you have to ask the questions that the uh, the person, the army um, uh, professional who wrote that article on situational awareness that I have on encouraging angels at the blog uh, asks. You have to ask those questions. You have to be aware. You have to stop and think before you act. Before you walk into a place, you have to look at your situation. You have to analyze the hazards and manage your environment. You have to continually, you know, uh, assess. I mean, it's really hard for me, you know, as someone who did similar things with his daughter to to watch this, you know, Eric Peretz, uh, you know, how his life ended, um, and like I said, the guy, he gave his entire life. From the time that his daughter was born, he gave his life. And again, we, we don't just, it's only one article, uh, and it's not an extensive thing on their family history or anything, but there's no mention of the mom. This guy gave his life. Um, for his daughter. Up, you know, before way before this happened to them you know at uh, at the uh, at black saturday the day of the hamas massacre even you know um uh, it it i don't know if it's at the same time but there was pictures taken of them at um you know a big tent gathering and it's rough terrain it's it's the outdoors and you see all these folks all these young folks you know, that have gotten together 
and nobody could defend themselves. No one. There's no lookouts. There's no nothing. Apparently. Aware, folks. Awake and aware. Don't take anything for granted when you walk out of the house. I can't remember what Bilbo Baggins said, you know, in the Lord of the Rings, but he basically said walking out your front door is a tricky business. And you look at this, this New York Post article, the bodies of Israeli dad, wheelchair-bound 16-year-old daughter found 12 days after Hamas Music Fest massacre. They must have gone and tried to hide somewhere, like in the brush or something. And that's maybe, may, I'm, I'm just guessing, but maybe that's why they weren't found right away. Um, folks, um, you know, the world's changing. I want to pray right now. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would infuse the caregivers of this world, especially here in the United States, but, you know, uh, who, who spent their lives, who have already given their lives, if they are family members taking care of family members, or if it's a professional they still have the same cares to grant them operational situational awareness to not be caught off guard to have an opportunity to defend themselves and who are in their charge the affected the disabled the special needs to either defend or escape because they had situational awareness. I pray that you would lift the scales from their eyes so that they would not be blind to the dangers around them and that they would have the bravery that it takes to act in either manner. God, this world is devolving, but you are in control, Lord Jesus. I pray that your will be done. I pray that even these heinous acts would be used to bring people to the trusting and saving knowledge of accepting you, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior of their lives because there is no other answer. There is no other way to heaven. There is no other way to live in the presence of God forever except for the acceptance of Jesus Christ and his atoning death on the cross and him rising to everlasting life to give us everlasting life. There is no other answer. Lord, work in the lives of those who hear this message. And in your name, Jesus, I pray and I thank you. Amen. Please consider... Supporting Encouraging Angels. www.encouragingangels.org Click on the Donate tab. And give online through the Cornerstone link or send something in 
the physical mail to our P.O. box. And after hearing this story today and understanding that the United States has no program of civil defense for you except to put you into a FEMA camp if you survive whatever happens. The number one responsibility of any government is the protection of its citizens. They do not have a plan for you. Russia can put all of Moscow underground if there was a nuclear event. Do you know that? And in the United States, nothing for nobody. So you need to learn what to do. How do you do that? You need a resource that tells you that. Where's that at? It's Civil Defense Manual. CivilDefenseManual.com. Civil Defense Manual written by Jack Lawson. Co-written by incredible other authors, my man N.C. Scout, uh, who wrote the chapter on communications. These people, you know, you heard that they had really bad reception. I mean, that could potentially hinder them from even calling for help, although he did get through to his daughter. You need communications. You, you know, night fighting by, uh, by Navy SEAL Matt Bracken. You think the ability to fight, you know, would have come in handy? Oh my God. <laughs> These people were mowed down. Uh, area Study and Intelligence by Sam Culper, you know, in this book, the, the Civil Defense Manual. Do you think that had someone done an area study and gathered intelligence that at least perhaps they would have known where they are and would have taken appropriate precautions, some kind of precaution. CivilDefenseManual.com. This is a 950-page reference, two volumes. It cost $100. In my humble opinion, it's worth it for you to have something there. If the electricity goes out, you know, you have it there. Jack talks about how to put together a neighborhood protection team. And it's not as easy as you think. It's methodic. It's all in there. Please consider it civildefensemanual.com. This is the Encouraging Angels podcast. I'm Stan Szymanski, and I look forward to seeing you right here next time.